0: Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at ten forty-five, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Uh, Leslie is out of town this week, and so she asked if I would um, if I would step in. And so here I am. I have to admit to you that I have known for weeks that I was going to be preaching this morning and I have um, struggled Uh, and I don't really know why and I stand up here quite nervous uh, and I'm not typically very nervous when I preach. Um, So I assume that God has something and who knows what's going to come out of my mouth. (laughs) right now, uh, but we are just gonna trust God and see where he takes us. Our scripture reading from this morning is from the book of Deuteronomy. If you know me, you know that I love the Old Testament. And I didn't always love the Old Testament, I just thought I needed to read the New Testament for a real long time because it was easier to understand. But then I went to seminary and I had to study it for grades, And uh, you kind of get an appreciation when you are striving for an A uh, in a class. But more than that, I saw so much within the Old Testament and how rich it was. And so I definitely love the Old Testament. Our scripture reading is in the front of the book of Deuteronomy, and if you are not quite familiar with Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is kind of a retelling of the story of the people of God right before they enter into the promised land. They're standing on the cusp of entering this place that they have been waiting for for years and years and years, this promised place that God has been speaking of that he is going to give them. They need to be reminded of the story because they're about to enter a new land and a new adventure and it's going to be easy to get off course. They're going to be tempted and life is going to be hard and they will likely want to give up or just give in to the polytheistic world around them. So if you have your Bibles with you, then you can open to Deuteronomy 6. If you uh, don't, the scripture will also be on the screen behind me. Deuteronomy 6, verse 1 through 9. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the ordinances that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy, so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God All the days of your life, and keep all his decrees and his commandments that I am commanding you, so that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently, so that it may go well with you, and so that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. Keep these words that I have commanded you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So maybe I'm nervous because I'm gonna confess something to you, and here it goes. I, when I was a kid... Hated rules, hated them. Uh, I thought they got in the way of all the fun that I wanted to have, and I thought my parents were quite strict. Apparently, though, my parents didn't care if I wanted to have fun. I'm sure I yelled at them multiple times that they were taking all the fun away from me, and that their rules were silly, or stupid, or unfair. I disliked boundaries uh, as much and I had a tendency to break them. I know, I know, I know. Quite shocking, right? I'm so straight-laced and like by the rules and by the book. Don't be fooled, people. Mm-mm. I was a terror as a kid. My personality always wanted to buck the system, to push the limits, and sometimes it still does. I have to tell you, in fact, there is one very specific time that I remember. I don't remember what I got in trouble for, what rule I had broken, what thing I had done, but I do remember that my mom sent me to my room. And so, obedient me, went to my room. But I stood right at the doorway, and I screamed, and screamed, and screamed, And I can tell you, I have no idea how I'm standing in front of you at this point because my mom should have really killed me. I'm sure she was out of patience with me. Um, I don't know why I did such a thing. But let's just say that my mom is a saint uh, and uh, I'm really glad that I made it to adulthood. (laughs) Now, as a parent, I see things from a vastly, vastly different perspective. I am thankful for rules, and I give them out often. (laughs) uh, But I look back, and I'm thankful for the rules that my parents put in place for me. Now, while I couldn't see it at the time, because I really could only see what was very in front of my face, those rules were for my safety and for my care, They were life lessons, values. They created safety and boundaries for me so I could try new things, have new experiences, but within the confines of an environment where I was loved and cared for, and when I messed up, I was going to be okay. They helped to shape the person that I am, and I hope that they are helping shape the children that live in my home as well. But you know, my parents had to remind me over and over and over again about the boundaries and the rules. They had to reinforce them. They set that standard because of their profound love for me because they they could see what I couldn't. But I find myself still wanting to buck the rules to follow my own path, to do my own thing. I want to control my life make my own decisions and live in the boundaries that I create. Don't fence me in, don't restrain me, don't tell me what I can do or not do or how I can act or not act, especially because at this point in time, I'm an adult and so I can make my own decisions, right? Right? But to be honest, there are still times where I find myself making pretty extensive temper tantrums because I feel restrained by others or ultimately because I may feel restrained by God. I mean, isn't he the worst? Doesn't he want to restrain us a ton? I mean, he calls us as Christ followers to deny ourselves daily, take up the sacrifice of Jesus as our example every moment of every day, and to live our lives for the sake of others and not ourselves. Doesn't that feel restraining? Don't we fight that and buck that often? Why would he ask such a thing of us? Well, because just as my parents loved me and I love my kids, the God of all creation loves us. And he loves us with such a passion and a depth that is unfathomable. You can't ever reach the full capacity of his love, no matter how hard you try, and believe me, I have tried. But he doesn't give up, and he doesn't walk away, and he doesn't restrain us as we tend to think, and he doesn't create rules just to create rules. He loves us, but he knows that we forget that often as we're going through our day and we fight it. So he begs for us to daily reflect on it, on the core of who we are and whose we are. I also forget that people are watching me, are watching how I interact, how I love people, How I stay within boundaries that are safe for me and sometimes venture out when God has called me to. And you know those little ones in my house? Oh, they watch me like hawks. So what are they learning? What are they learning about rules and boundaries, limits, feelings, frustrations? Ultimately, what are they learning about God? The Israelites were about to enter a land that was filled with people who had no interest in the God of all creation. They were too worried about pleasing their own little gods and themselves. It would have been easy for the Israelites to quickly look at them and to forget Yahweh, to redefine God to fit in, to redefine him, his love, and the story that they had and the promise, or just to forget But this wasn't just for them. This land, this promise God gave them, it was about their children and their children's children and their children's children's children. Do you see where I'm going? It was about us. All the way back then, it was about us. It was a legacy that they were teaching about a God who loved so unconditionally, who protected them, who saved them and would continue to save them. It's about being a light in a dark place. It's about telling the story so that others may know the God of all creation. Deuteronomy 6, it says, so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and keep all his decrees and his commandments that I'm commanding you so that your days may be long. So God commanded them to repeat this thing called a Shema daily. And the Shema is this part of Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. Why these words? Why remember these words every day? Why repeat these daily? How will this guide them to leave a legacy of God's grace and mercy to their children and their children's children? Well, this is called the Shema because it is a phrase that means specifically, listen, listen. Don't just hear. Shema means to pay attention closely. To respond to what you hear. To listen and to do. So, when my husband talks sometimes, and I'm not interested, like when he's talking about hunting, or fishing, or cars, or tools, or other things, I hear him, but I'm not really listening. And he knows it. He knows it because I can't respond back to him. I can't enter into the conversation with him. I can't be interested because I wasn't hearing. I was just hearing without listening. What does that tell him about how I feel about him? About our relationship. God is asking us to not just hear, but to listen to care about it, to let it seep into our bones and be everything about who we are. When we rise in the morning all the way to when we go to bed at night. If you don't know how to listen well, then here's where you start. And it says it in the Shema, you start with love. Love in the Hebrew in this space means ahava. It's a fun word to say, ahava. Feel free to say it later. You know Hebrew now. When the word is referring to God, it means a God who loves at the core of his character and it flows out of him without stopping. It's not just a sentiment or a feeling. It is a deep action. So we're called to respond to God's ahava by showing our own ahava. Our feeling with an action, not just to God, but to other people. But that doesn't seem to be quite enough, and the shaman knows that, God knows that, and so he says, here's how you love well. Here is part of your action, heart, soul, and might. But what do those three things mean? Well, the first one means this, heart. While we know that we have a heart that beats within us and it helps the blood flow, To the Hebrew people, when they use the word heart, it meant that you believed with all of your intelligence, and that came from the heart. You know with your heart. You understand with your heart. Wisdom dwells in your heart. You use your heart to discern truth and error, and you use your heart for emotions, pain, Fear, depression, joy. Your heart is where you make choices. And your heart is where God dwells. Just an interesting little scientific fact, I don't know if you know this, but the heart is the first organ also to develop within a baby. In six weeks, you can hear a heartbeat. Hmm. Don't you feel like God is saying something else there to us? That your heart is the first thing, and it can be the first thing that we devote to him. So the heart is the center of the human existence. So what about that next word, soul? Well, did you know that this word soul appears 700 times in the Old Testament? Intriguingly, at the very base, just as a piece of knowledge for you, this word means throat. Isn't that funny when you talk about a soul, you're talking about a throat, your throat. But at the more specific level, it means not just your throat, but your whole body. So people in the Bible don't have a soul. They ultimately are the soul. It's all of them, the whole living organism. So here we have so far where God says, Love me with all of your heart, your choices, your understanding, your feelings, and then love me with all of everything of you, your whole body. And finally, there's this word might. In Hebrew, the word is miod. Just because I like to tell you guys Hebrew, meod. And it means muchness. Not quite might, but it means muchness. Well, what a funny word to use. But within Scripture, God is saying devote everything, every possibility, every opportunity, capacity of honoring God. In your muchness, choose God and devote yourself to Him. So, in that moment when you extended grace to that child who frustrated you, you chose muchness in love. Or in that moment when that person hurt your feelings and you could come back with a snide remark to hurt them back, but instead you choose peace. You've chosen an opportunity of muchness for God what about that moment when your boss or your teacher tells you to do something that you have no desire to do and you want to come back with a, mm-mm, not me today, no thank you, the lack of respect, but instead you choose to respect the authority placed upon you and your muchness and your ahava for God. You choose to honor him. Every moment is an opportunity to honor God with your muchness. So what does this mean? And how does it apply to us at this point? Those are great words for the Hebrews back then. But what does it mean for us? Well, it means that it's a lot of work. It's not bad work. It is the most rewarding amazing and careful work you will ever do as a Christ follower. To devote yourself to God in this way means that all those things that I listed that God wants us to do, to die to our own agenda daily for the good of those around us, to be willing to sacrifice for people to see and know the God of all creation, it means speaking less and listening a whole lot more. It means being careful with our emotions and the feelings of others because we see them in the image of God. It means to love our enemies and while it means to love those who threaten us physically, it also means those enemies that just make us uncomfortable, that don't agree with how we see things and those that make us angry and that we don't want to see. It means loving them and our muchness. Part of showing Ahava is showing and telling others. God goes on to say in this passage after the Shema that basically if you do this every day and teach it to your children and to your children's children, I would just say if you teach it to one another, then lives would be changed. Because the fact is that people are watching I want to show you a picture of a box. I think we have, we have the pictures. Um, rabbinic Jews take this passage very seriously about, maybe we don't have a picture. Um, they wear these little leather boxes on their heads. And they wear leather boxes on their arms. And these are called teflins. And a tefillin is basically a little leather box that has the words of God inscribed on a piece of paper and parchment inside of them. They wear them every day during prayer. They interpret the scripture quite literally to wear the word of God on their foreheads and on their arms. There's another thing that a good Hebrew, a good Jew would do. It's a little box that they put on their doorpost called a mezuzah. And when I was in Israel, they had them on every doorpost of every hotel room and in every door in the hotels that we went into, and it holds the Shema. Taking very seriously the idea that we need to be reminded daily of who God is and who we are. I have to tell you, I'm not sure that God intended us for us to really wear hats with the Shema in them, or have them on little boxes on our doors. But I will say that I believe that God wants us to so engrave our devotion to him within us that it's seen by others on the outside. And if you ask yourself personally, am I doing that? Can you honestly say yes? This is how the generations know God. This is how they continue to tell the story. This is the legacy. I pray that we as a church, just in this room as a starting point, leave this space desiring to devote ourselves to the God who loves us with Ahava, with all our heart, all our soul and without our, all, with all our muchness and that we make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Today, as we stand in this worship space and have recognized and honored those who love who we love within our community and our families who have gone ahead to be with Jesus, what legacy did they leave you about God? What legacy did they continue to leave? Just as the bells resounded on this stage, how does God resound within you and out of you? What will you leave for your children and your children's children? For this church here in this space, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, for the people in this community, in Ruston, in North Louisiana in all of Louisiana, in the world. They may not know your name, but they could hear the echoes of your devotion to God. They could benefit from deep relational love because of how we love each other in this space. They can experience the obedience through what we build of a faithful community now that is centered on living the Shema out daily, hourly, minute by minute, What kind of legacy are you leaving? We're going to continue in a time of worship through song. I asked Mark if he could play this specific song that we're going to sing because to me for months it has been a declaration of my heart and I feel like it can be a really great declaration for us as a body of Christ. The chorus says this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What does it mean for you to live as Christ and to die to yourself today so that God can be glorified, so that you can devote all of yourself to him, so that you can extend Ahava to others? If we all declared that together as a body, what would it look like? So the altar is open. Let's respond to God. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.